This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to the Mom Room Podcast. My name is Renee Rena, and I am definitely the mom friend you have always wanted. Welcome to Tuesday's episode. It is one of those episodes that is jam-packed with information. Something about parenting that I don't think people realize before becoming parents is how much energy, mental energy, but also physical energy, you have to put into feeding your freaking kids. And it starts right away. Like I'm talking day one. It's like you're trying to breastfeed or you're bottle feeding, you're cleaning the bottles. Are they eating enough? Did they get too much? They're gassy. Are they having a reaction to this? Like it is all consuming. And then they start eating solids. And it's just a whole other set of worries, of concerns, of stress. So I remember when Milo started eating solids, I was like, This is the biggest production. It's like you get the food ready, you set it all up for them to be like successful and have a good meal. And it's a major mess. After a while, he just stopped wearing a bib because I was like, what's the point? Like his clothes get full of food anyways, and we have to instantly strip him down and wash his clothes. So what is the point of the bib? I started to realize that the bib was just another thing that I had to clean. So, so often I would post videos of Milo eating and people are like, oh my God, he's getting it all over his clothes. Like, why doesn't he have a bib on? And I was like, honestly, because the bib is just another thing that I have to clean now. So if I just take off his shirt after he's done and throw it in the wash, then it's fine. And it's like, well, what if his clothing gets stained? And it's like, they're going to get stained anyways. So anyways, maybe I'm going to start like a movement. Like, anti-bib movement. Also, when it comes to stains, like they're able to wear the clothes for like two weeks until they grow out of it. So does it really matter? Anyways, back to today's episode. I am speaking with Noelle. She is a registered dietitian with a master of science in foods and nutrition, and she specializes in women's health. She also has three young boys, which is lovely. I love when experts and specialists come on the podcast and they too have young children because they just understand the nuances and the difficulties that we're dealing with, right? Like they can relate and they get it. 
She is also the author of a cookbook for kids. It is called Superfoods for Super Kids Cookbook. In this episode, we talk about how to promote adventurous eating in your kids. Milo is super adventurous at daycare, but he comes home and we try and feed him the same things and he's like, no, yucky. So she has some awesome tips that I have tried and they have worked. So we talk about that. We talk about meal prep. You guys know that I hate meal prep. I'm getting better at it. I bought myself some sweet ass knives, which has been helping. But anyways, meal prep. She has an incredible plan. I guess you would call it a plan or like a a trick maybe to having meals ready for the next few days. It blew my mind. It's such a good idea. We also talk about diet culture and how our generation grew up in a time where it was so normal for people to be on diets. Every week, it's like a new diet was in the media and it was just normal. So how do we now as parents not pass that on to our children And there's so much more that we get into in this episode. I know you guys are going to love it. She was so easy to talk to. I'm planning on doing an Instagram live with her soon. So yeah, enjoy this episode. Maybe take some notes. I don't know. So please welcome Noelle to the Mom Room Podcast. I am talking with Noelle. She is a dietitian. She specializes in motherhood and meals and kids nutrition So that's what we are going to talk about today. To start, I thought you could tell us a little bit about your training and why you became interested in nutrition specifically for moms and kids. Absolutely. So thanks so much for having me. When I became a dietitian, I already had an interest in women's nutrition, kids' nutrition, and I started a private practice soon after becoming a dietitian. And at the time, there were a lot of services in hospital for kids. And I ended up working with the adult population, specifically in the area of disordered eating and eating disorders. And what I found was that five years later, I became a parent. <laughs> and I realized that it's one thing to like think you know what you're talking about when it comes to working with kids and then you have them and you're like wow this is a whole new experience and at the time I had twins first and then I had another little one so I had three children in 27 months and when my youngest was about six months old I was asked to write a guest blog post by a couple moms here in town who had a blog and afterwards they said Noelle this is a huge topic like do you realize moms have these questions everywhere? And I was like, oh. So when my youngest was almost a year, I decided to start a blog, start an Instagram page, and just start sharing. It was called Meals for Me and My Minis. And I felt like I had come through so much that I wanted to help others. Like, yes, I had the expertise as a dietitian, but I also had gained so much more in terms of just experience. I remember like flipping grilled cheese for my, tw- my toddler twins while breastfeeding my baby. Not something I recommend. I realize it's not safe, but I was doing what I had to do to feed all the people. Yeah. And then, you know, but, and then by the time lunch is over, you're getting everyone down for a nap. And I would sit down at two o'clock and be like, oh my goodness, I haven't eaten since like seven and I'm nourishing all these people. I have to figure this out. I have to make sure I'm nourished along with them. And then we hit the picky toddler stage and just all the things. And so I was like, okay, I want to start sharing this. So at first it was called Meals for Me and My Minis. And I would just post photos of their food and my food and how we were making it work. And then I found 
really that deep connection with other moms that it was more than just the food we were talking about. We were talking about motherhood in general. And so I actually changed after a year to call it motherhood and meals because this is what the community was going to be about. Chatting all things motherhood, the crazy, the chaos, the beautiful, even the crying. (laughs) And then about meals. How are we going to nourish ourselves? How are we going to nourish our kiddos at home, on the go, eventually when they go to school, when you travel? We've kind of, you know, done it all. And then a couple of years ago, I was approached to write a book. And so I wrote a book called Superfoods for Super Kids, just to help get kiddos into the kitchen. And that's where my passion lies, is really supporting moms in their choices and also helping them with kids who maybe aren't as adventurous as they'd like them to be. It is so helpful. As a mom, you always trust the people that have kids themselves a little bit more because you're like, they understand the nuances, you know, like the gray area. It's not just like, don't do this, do this. Like there's so much in between. And it's funny, my friend is a behavior analyst, behavior therapist, like for kids, and she trains teachers like throughout the GTA how to deal with like difficult behaviors in schools and stuff. So she has all these tools. And then now she has a toddler and she's like, I know what I would say to a client, but it's very hard to implement. And like not every situation is black and white and like, oh, this this is what you should do and it'll fix it. Absolutely. It's so true. I mean, we have to think about all the things going on in life. So yes, we can have, oh, I would recommend this and recommend that. But we all know we have those days as moms where it's truly survival mode, right? And there are certain days with some of the tips we're going to talk about today in terms of working with picky eaters or or less adventurous eaters, that these tips, you just need to let them go some days. And you need to be like, you know what? My children are eating food and we're just going to survive till nap time and bedtime and move on. And tomorrow's a new day. So we always have to enter into any recommendations given to us with a full grace for ourselves of doing our best with resources we have available. Yeah, there's like the ideal situation, like what you want to do, but there's so many things that are going to dictate whether you're able to actually execute those things, you know? Did you know that my PhD in psychology, my like focus was eating disorders? Really? I didn't know that. So we share that commonality then. (laughs) Yeah, when you said that, I was like, oh my God, like small world. Now, obviously, I'm not in that area, but all my research was in eating disorders, but for adults. So interesting. Yeah. So let's get into adventurous eating in kids. So I can speak from my experience with Milo. He will eat everything the daycare teacher puts in front of him. Like, We read because we have this app where throughout the day they share exactly what he's eaten when he goes to the bathroom, like everything. So I see what he's eating at school and I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, are you kidding me? And it's like, yeah, he finished it all. I'm like, oh my gosh. So there's things where he will eat at school, like basic things like rice, mashed potatoes. And if we serve them to him at home, he won't even touch them. And it's like, no, yucky. Like he is not adventurous at home, but he is at school. So help me. (laughs) Yeah. What you're experiencing is very normal, very common. Not that that helps in the sense that you're like, great, glad it's normal. Doesn't reduce the stress for me, right? But just so you know, super, super normal. So one of the reasons behind this is just the fact that 
when kids see other kids eating around them, they are more likely to have a greater curiosity. And kids also learn very early on, we do the things that we see around us, right? But it's different at home for a few reasons. Now, in terms of like daytime eating versus dinner, we absolutely know that toddlers and preschoolers, even if they've had the opportunity to have a rest in the afternoon, they're more tired in the evening and typically less hungry, right? So kids tend to eat in an upside down pyramid, which actually is great for all of us. Kids are like born that way where they don't, you know, a baby doesn't come out looking for either formula or breast milk based on, is it breakfast time? They're just like, hey, I'm hungry, right? Yes, they're like the ultimate intuitive eaters. Ultimate intuitive eaters. And we almost like take that away from people in our world, right? And I mean, even look at diet culture. Have this and you won't be hungry for hours. Since when is that a good thing? I mean, I love to eat. I don't want to be full for eight hours. I want to eat again (laughs) soon, right? So toddlers, preschoolers, babies, even young kids, like they're really good at this. And then as we move forward in life, we have these scheduled times for what we call lunch and we call dinner. And nourishment opportunities is a great phrase to ingrain in our kids. Like, are you ready for fuel? Are you ready for food kind of thing, right? And so he probably is hungrier during the day, which obviously leads to a greater interest in eating foods that he may be more skeptical of. And then by the time he gets to the evening, he's probably like, I could eat if you'd like to put something in front of me that tastes good, but I could totally survive without <laughs> yeah, it. Like, yeah. I'm cool, thanks. Like, give me a glass of milk or give me pizza, right? Like, yeah, just a little something. I'm the something. same way. Like, like I'm totally. the same way. Yeah. yeah. But by the time we get to a certain place. And the other thing we have to remember is, like, any food. Like, name any food right now that you enjoy. Just pick a food. Oh, my God. Pizza all the time. Pizza. Okay. <laughs> but if I put pizza in front of you at 7 a.m., you may or may not feel like it. You might be like, you know what? I actually, I'm not that hungry right now. Like I'll grab breakfast in an hour or two, but I'm actually not right. I'm not hungry right now. That doesn't mean you don't like pizza, but kids don't really have that full perspective we have. So if we put anything in front of them that they don't feel like right then, or they feel nervous about, then they're like, I don't like that. And then that becomes something that we interpret as, oh, they don't like this. And then we might serve it less often. So then they don't get as many exposures to it. And they get to a place where it becomes this mystery food that they're very skeptical of, which is actually like a really, it's part of their brain development to become more unsure, to become more skeptical, as you would know with a psychology background, right? So it's actually really normal for kids to become more, more picky, more hesitant, less adventurous. Another big thing is there's not consistency right? So like most kids love goldfish crackers and applesauce because they're just always the same. But if you take 10 blueberries, you might have like two crunchy, two mushy, a few sour, a few sweet, one that was kind of like wrinkly. And so kids look at those and they're like, I'll take the goldfish because I am certain about how that is going to feel in my mouth and taste. Whereas these blueberries, I feel so uncertain about it. It could just be that he's had one rice at daycare and a different rice at home. And suddenly he's like, well, I don't know if these are the same. And this makes me feel uncertain. And I'm not that hungry anyway, so I'm going to pass. So there's that piece. Another big piece to it is at daycare, he may or may not get a lot of extra attention whether he eats or doesn't eat. Like they're just going through their day. And yes, they significantly care, but they're just going to 
report to you. Like he ate it or he didn't. Whereas at home, sometimes as parents, we're like, I am going to pull out all the stops to try to figure out how to get nourishment into my child so they don't wake up at 3 a.m. hungry. And so we enter into, whether it be positive pressure, like, oh, you're going to go big and strong if you eat that, or, oh, you're such a good boy for eating that. Like, that's pressure, even though it's positive. And then on the other end, you know, like, you're three, so three more bites. Just take three more bites and we'll move on. So any sort of pressure, and then it feels like it's like the world is caving in on them. They're like, no, because they crave autonomy. And so as soon as there's all this pressure, they're like, mm, nope, nope, let me go. <laughs> Free me up, please. Like, can you imagine if you and I went out for lunch and I was like, I don't see you finishing your chicken. Do you think you could take oh one more bite of that? Oh my God, it's the worst. Like, I don't want any chicken now. This episode is brought to you by Little Spoon. If you're like me, then the bane of your existence is thinking about what to feed your children, prepping food, going to the grocery store, all of the above. Who has the time? We are all so busy, and it's important to incorporate things into our life that keep our life as simple and convenient as possible. Little Spoon is one way to do just that. They deliver fresh, healthy meals and snacks straight to your door that your kid will love at every eating stage they are in. The baby blends are fresh, organic baby food from single ingredients to multi-textured purees to take the stress out of starting solids. They partner with Clean Label Project to test their blends for 400 plus contaminants, including heavy metals, so you know you're getting good stuff. The Biteables are finger food meals that are cut to size to promote easy self-feeding, and they are healthy, balanced, and free of artificial junk. The Little Spoon Plates are toddler and big kid meals that are free of junk and they taste amazing. Even the pickiest eaters will love them. Think hidden veggie mac and cheese, chicken nuggets, and adventurous eats like potstickers, gnocchi, and more. They also offer really fun things like puffs, they have smoothies, lunchers, and snacks. You quite literally never have to think about food again. It's just easy peasy. And did I mention this all comes right to your door? It is so flexible, so easy, and everything stores right in the fridge and freezer. The price is right. The quality is unmatched. You are going to love it and your kids are going to love it. It is just a huge win for your family. Simplify your kids' mealtime with 30% off your first order. Go to littlespoon.com slash momroom and enter our code momroom at checkout to get 30% off your first Little Spoon order. My husband and I both turn the big four zero next year, and we have been thinking a lot about our long-term health. We want to get smarter about our health, make better choices, but also not feel overwhelmed trying to separate fact from fiction. There is so much information out there and it can be hard to figure out what applies to you, what is right, and what is wrong. Well, let me introduce you to the Zoe Science and Nutrition Podcast. With the help of world-leading scientists, they help you make smarter health choices every week. Don't just take my word for it. Naomi's Apple Review says, Zoe Science and Nutrition is super easy to consume even if you don't understand the science. With loads of actionable tips, a great mix of guests, and interesting cutting-edge science. You can't go wrong with a weekly podcast where world-leading scientists explain how their own research could improve your health. If you're ready to join millions of others like Naomi transforming their health, then search for Zoe Science and Nutrition wherever you listen to podcasts. 
I hate when people comment on like other people's food that they're eating. And one thing that we try and do all the time is, and I'm not the best at it, but is serve him whatever we're having. Because like you always want to present to them the most simple, basic foods because like you were saying, they've been exposed to those multiple times. So for example, tonight we're having chicken tikka masala. And so it's chicken, which he's had and which he likes, but it's covered in a different kind of sauce. So to him, it's a completely different thing. But like you were saying, I try to put a little bit of whatever we're having on the plate. So at least he's being exposed to it. And I have no intention of him actually trying it, but at least it's there. It's in front of him. And then he'll have some of his like safe foods or other foods that he's used to. It's difficult though. Like I can't believe how much of parenting revolves around like, oh my God, I just want my kid to eat. And like you said, like my favorite saying is toddlers eat to live. They don't live to eat like we do, you know, but like as adults, I think we project all of our own food stuff and like how much we enjoy eating and we do it for fun. We do it for pleasure, but they don't. No, it's like, I just need, you know, enough to get me through. I don't care. I don't care if it's a piece of toast or if it's this chicken. I just need enough to like, can I go play? (laughs) Right? Yeah. And so one of the things we can do is we can make food fun. So as soon as you mention what you're having for dinner tonight, my brain has like five different ideas of how you could increase his interest in this. And none of these mean that he's actually going to eat it. Okay. So one of the things that you can do, and I know I've even seen you do this on Instagram, you're getting him into the kitchen which is awesome. And sometimes he's into it and sometimes he's not. And that's okay. He's there. He's seeing (laughs) it, right? They take in more than we think they take in sometimes. So one thing you could do is be like, oh, I'm making this sauce and oh, I just need to go and like figure something, whatever, right? Across the kitchen. So you're still in the same room because the stove is hot. Could you just stir it once or twice for me while I'm over here? So, so it doesn't burn to the bottom, right? So now he's involved in making the sauce or maybe you have a little something he could put in right? Or he pours something in, whatever it might be. So he's involved in making it. That That's going to transfer to at dinner, you're going to say, wow, thank you so much for helping me make this. It is a better sauce because you were part of it. So we're going to make that connection of like you've helped, right? Another big thing is toddlers love autonomy, as I mentioned, and preschoolers and, and even young kids. I mean, my kids are seven, nine now, and they still love the idea of, of choice and autonomy. So giving two choices to younger kids can help. So I'm putting this chicken on your plate. Would you like the sauce on the chicken or beside? And he might make a face and be like, mm, I don't want to eat that. No problem. I'm just putting it on your plate. And I'm curious if you'd like the sauce on the chicken or on the side, because now he's been able to be part of the decision. We're not saying he needs to eat it, but we are saying it's going to be on his plate because as parents, it's our decision or our kind of responsibility, our job to choose what's going to be served. Just like you said, you know, you try to serve what you're eating, but it's actually his decision if he's going to eat it or not. Right. But if we don't serve it, he'll never eat it. Like if we never give them a piece of red pepper on their plate, I guarantee you they're never going to eat the red pepper, right? We just want to keep exposing. And then in terms of, I like the fact that you're going to serve some familiar foods with it. That's great. So you've got a new food there for him, some familiar foods. Ideally, they'd be on your plate as well. You may choose not to eat those. So let's say a familiar food for him is the rice that you're serving, or, you know, maybe he prefers raw carrots and you were planning to serve steamed broccoli. So Ideally, both of you have 
the steamed broccoli and the raw carrots, right? And maybe he doesn't eat the broccoli and maybe you don't eat the carrots. And that's modeling. I can leave foods on my plate and not eat them, right? So maybe you decide to eat both. But the ideal is that everyone at the table has the same foods on their plate and then everyone decides what of those foods they're going to eat. And that way it's not seen ever as short order cooking. I like that because we're not doing that yet because we always give him raw vegetables. I swear, sometimes I think my son is a raw vegan (laughs) because like he will choose all like the raw fruits and vegetables and that's all he'll want to eat. I'm like, really? Like you have pizza on your plate, but whatever, it's his choice. We got to start putting those on our plates as well. That would be good. And then it's consistent. Another cool thing is when you have kids who prefer raw vegetables is to play what I call the dinosaur game. So let's say you take the, you know, the raw carrots and then steam some carrots or roast them or something like that. Be like, okay, we're going to see which one of these makes us sound like a dinosaur. So we're going to start with soft. Let me see. And you, you know, you go to bite it and it's really quiet. You're like, oh man, I can't be a dinosaur. Can you be a dinosaur with that one? And then he tries and he can't. And whether he spits it out or swallows it, it doesn't matter because he's at least embraced it. And then you're like, that was so quiet too. Hmm, I wonder if we can be a louder dinosaur with the raw one. Let's try. You go first. And then it's a game. Kids are just born to play. So anything we can make a game. And in the end, I realize he's already interested in the raw ones. It doesn't really matter if he eats the cooked ones. But these are ways that we can make food fun. Mm-hmm. And it's just like an added exposure, an added... Exactly. Yeah. And you can play the mouse game. Like there's a dinosaur for the big or the mouse game which one of these is going to be quieter? And you just do the same thing. So anything, and and kids love it, right? They have fun with it. Oh my God, of course. Okay, let's talk a little bit about meal prep. So I despise meal prep. Like I am the kind of person that I just don't want to be hungry. I don't care what I'm eating. I'll have boiled eggs for dinner. I don't care. My husband is the complete opposite. Like he will barely eat all day and then he wants this like, legit big meal for dinner. So we clash in that. And then what happens is I hate cooking. I hate meal prepping. So we end up eating out a lot, but I'm trying to switch that around in 2022 and make more dinners and plan things out. So do you have any tips or tools that can help families get more home-cooked meals on the table? Absolutely. I did notice at the beginning of 2022 that you were like, we are going to sit down to more family meals. Yeah. I was like, I'm your girl. I want to help. Yes. <laughs> um, so lots of tips, but I'm going to, I'm going to share three top ones with you. The first one is something I call the three P method. And I have so many mamas out there doing this and they'll share, share, you know, photos of their kids helping them make this. And it's, what it is, is the P stands for protein. So you're going to take one protein and you're going to make it three times. You're going to serve it three times, but you only cooked once. So let's take chicken for example, right? So you're making a chicken dish this evening. You have your sauce picked out. It could be any sauce. Okay. And you're going to make more than you need of that. And tonight, let's say you're going to serve it with rice and green beans, okay? Tomorrow night, you're going to take that leftover chicken and you're going to chop it up small and you're going to put it on a homemade pizza crust with some 
you know, sliced up peppers and mushrooms, maybe some steamed broccoli or something like that, and cheese. So you're prepping a little bit for vegetables, but nothing major. You're going to cover it in cheese, you're going to cook it, and you can have, say, a salad on the side. So very minimal prep. The third night, you're going to make up any pasta that you enjoy, and you're going to serve the rest of the chicken with the pasta. And again, you could do some extra vegetables in there, or you could do a little salad or something like that to get your vegetables in, but you only cooked the chicken once. And so it didn't really feel like a lot of prep because popping stuff onto a pizza crust or making up a pot of pasta, those don't really require a lot of your time. So cook once and eat three times with the same protein, but it doesn't feel like leftovers because it's so different. All three meals are so different. So that's my top tip for you. Okay, can I just say that's genius and something that we don't even do, like we make it more difficult for ourselves. Like you're saying, get the protein, cook it, use it three different ways. Like I do not even grocery shop for three days, okay? So this tip along with like planning those three days And then only going to the freaking grocery store once and buying the things you need for those three days will be life-changing. Like, I am like a fly by the seat of my pants. Oh my God, what are we going to have? I'll stop at the grocery store right before I pick up Milo because his daycare is next to a grocery store. And so it's like just chaotic. So the next tip that I would have for you is something that I call flex meal planning. And the third tip is kind of woven into this one. So we're going to talk both at once. So I recommend doing what I call a quad audit. So you have four things you're going to look at. Your calendar, your cupboard, your fridge, and your freezer. And what you do when you look at those four is you're looking at your calendar helps you understand what days of the week do I have a touch more time that I can do a little bit of cooking and what days of the week do I need something really quick. I have three kids in competitive hockey. We need quick, easy meals on a regular basis, but I want them home cooked and nourishing so their bodies are fueled well, right? So you look at your calendar, then go to your cupboard, freezer, and fridge and make sure that there's nothing in there that needs to be used up or something in there you want to use up. Because otherwise we end up with food waste because we just keep buying the same things when we already have them. And then you're going to do what I call flex meal planning. Now let's say you only want to cook twice a week. Here's what you can do. You can do the 3P method twice. So that takes up six days. And the 3P method example that I gave you of the initial and then the pizza and the pasta, that could be skewed a little bit. If you don't want to do pasta twice a week, you could do it with like rice the first time and quinoa a different time, or you could do sweet potatoes the first, right? So you can mix it up a little bit, but the idea more is cooking of the protein because that's usually what takes the longer time. And then I recommend that you choose one day a month. It doesn't matter what it is. Quite often people will choose a Saturday or Sunday, but for you, it might be a Wednesday, right? So you choose one day a month where you're going to choose a bulk meal, like a big, you know, you can make like a white chicken and white bean chili, or you could make a chickpea stew, whatever it is. You make big... And you make sure that you have enough for four servings that you can freeze. So four family size servings you can freeze. And so every week you do two 3P methods. That gets you six days. And on the seventh day, you have that freezer meal. And so you don't really have to grocery shop that much. You can only go, you only need to go once a week. Now, granted, we need breakfast and lunch and snacks. You need other food. But dinner tends to be the one that causes causes us mom's angst because there's the, the hours leading up to it, they just kind of like disappear and are chaos all at once, right? And so if we can do things ahead. I feel like we put these dinner expectations on ourselves too. Like dinner has to be this like big 
event or something. I don't know it what doesn't. it is, but it, right? yeah, it drives me nuts. And sometimes like the best dinners that we have are like when my husband, no offense to my husband, but when he's late at work, like he's staying at the hospital, Milo and I will just make like a quick snack plate and like make a picnic on the floor. And, you know, he's eating a ton of vegetables and like a protein and nuts and berries. And so, yeah, I try to like not put so much pressure to have these like big elaborate meals. Absolutely. I totally agree. I mean, Pancake Tuesday, my kids were happier than they've been at dinner in weeks, I think. They're like, this is great. I'm like, that was so easy. (laughs) Or like eggs and toast with a side of avocado and tomato. Like, right? Like it doesn't have to be complicated. You can make wraps for dinner. Like they're, they're delicious. Like it's fine. It's true. We have this feeling almost like we didn't do enough maybe if we didn't make whatever a proper dinner is supposed to be. But no, that's not the case at all. I mean, the examples I gave probably would be more down that, that, you know, direction, but certainly anything, anything goes. It's food. Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode of The Mom Room and providing me with samples. You know how a lot of people can't leave the house without a water bottle? It's like their emotional support water bottle. I am the exact same way with facial tissues. And that is because I have such bad allergies, specifically in my sinuses, to the point where I know I'm going to have to blow my nose multiple times in a day, and I cannot be out in public without my emotional support facial tissues. Luckily, for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so that you can breathe better. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. Now I know if I have a big event, maybe I'm going to a concert, going out for dinner... I don't want to be blowing my nose every two seconds. It's very unbecoming. And so I will take Claritin D and enjoy my evening. Ready to live life as if you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin Clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter or ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin Clear. Use as directed. This episode is brought to you by Lola V. Lola V is an award-winning hair care line by none other than Jennifer Aniston. They offer clean, plant-powered products for every hair type and texture. I just did my whole hair care routine with all the products the other night, and I am obsessed. Along with incredible shampoo and conditioner, they have an intensive repair treatment that you can use once a week. They also have a lightweight hair oil. There's a leave-in treatment, and there's also a glossing detangling which I need because lately I want to do my hair in like a slicked back look, but my hair is too frizzy. Get 15% off Lola V with the code MOMROOM at www.lolav.com slash MOMROOM and Lola V is L-O-L-A-V-I-E. Okay, let's talk a little bit about diet culture. Like our generation grew up with parents that maybe were always on diets or like 
you knew that your friend's parents were on diets and it was always, I feel like every week it was like a different diet, like the Atkins diet, the the this diet, the this, like I, it's endless. And the end goal was always that people were trying to lose weight. So we grew up in that kind of culture. And at the time there was nothing wrong with it. Like that was just the norm. And now I feel like people are making a shift so that we have a healthier relationship with food and like we prioritize intuitive eating. So if there are parents out there who grew up in diet culture and maybe still struggle with like a diet culture mentality, how can they break that cycle with their children and so that they don't, you know, kind of pass that on to their kids, that way of thinking? Yeah, it's such an important topic and good question. I mean, you're looking at me right now. You can probably tell the look at my eyes just grew sad. <laughs> like I just, I find this topic heartbreaking because we did. We grew up with such strong messages that you are good or bad based on the food you choose, based on your body size. And we do still have our parents, our children's grandparents, saying things like, you know, oh, would you like such and such? Oh, no, thanks. I'm being good today. Or I'm trying to be good. Or I need to lose five pounds. So I'll say no, thanks. Right in front of our children. And so as much as we can start to use some different terminology, we also know our kids are still going to be exposed to it. But the good news is that the things we say resonate stronger. And we know that. And so the best we can do is be the best example, right? So our words have so much power. And sometimes parents may want to say, like their child may ask for something and they want to say no, but then they say something like, that has too much sugar or it's bad for you. So a very powerful, there's a couple different things to talk about here, but to give a very practical example first, a very powerful word that we can use is available. That's available. Sure, that's available right now. Or no, I'm sorry, that's not available right now. We actually don't need to say why. We don't need to say, you know, no, the fruit roll-up isn't available because you had a piece of cake at the birthday party and I'm afraid you're going to run around the house 18 times. We don't need to say that. We can just say it's not available right now, right? Or maybe it is. There's no right or wrong to it. And the words that we even use about ourselves, right? We don't need to make comments on anyone else's body or our own. Kids do tend to automatically start to make comments out of their curiosity and we can help them with that. So, you know, if we're at a restaurant and someone has a lot on their plate, sometimes, you know, my kids have said things like, wow, that looks like a lot of food. I'm like, just a reminder, we don't comment on other people's food or bodies. Oh, right. Thanks, mom. Right. And they learn over time. Right. Remember, you know, one of my boys, especially when we were younger, we were at the beach one day he was like, mommy, I know I shouldn't comment on people's bodies, but I don't understand what's happening there. And I was like, thank you for asking. Thank you for being curious. Everybody comes in different shapes and sizes. Everyone has a personality that's not even connected to their shape or size. That's his body. Thanks for asking, bud. And we move on, right? So we don't need to condemn them for asking because they're curious. It's just part of life. But we also need to consistently give that message of bodies come in different shapes and sizes. Food comes with 
a wide variety of different, you know, nutrition and the way that it affects our body. We don't need to look at food as being in the category of good or bad or our body size being good or bad, more owning who we are and, uh, you know, thinking about what makes us healthy. Moving our body makes us healthy. It's nothing to do with weight, right? It's getting our blood pumping to our heart, helping with our mental health. There's lots of different things that we can say that don't actually constitute kind of that good or bad. But we also have to remember that so much was ingrained in us, right? And it is hard. And again, going to that aspect of grace, like sometimes we might think things or say things that we don't even want to. And so just like checking back with ourselves on why that is and coming up with a new perspective and a new way of looking at things. It takes practice. It takes time. And I so, so hope that this next generation feels a freedom from that. And that continues to trickle down with more and more freedom over time. And when we think about loving our body, maybe we have some moms out there listening saying, you know what? I want to love my body, but I actually am, am, you know, struggling with it. And I want to make changes. And how do I find that balance. And one analogy that sometimes can help is to think about a toddler or a preschooler. We love our toddlers with all of our hearts. We also are continuing to work with them so that as they grow into children and adolescents and adults, we help them in terms of their behavior. Because if we had a 20-year-old acting like a two-year-old, that could be a problem right? And so we can love our body, but also know that if we continue to eat in certain ways, down the road, we are at higher risk for heart disease or diabetes or cancer. So nothing to do with like criticizing size, more to do with, are we treating our bodies well? And that's part of learning to love our body. So hopefully that analogy is kind of helpful as we, as we navigate this better, (laughs) better viewpoint on diet culture. And what about parents? Like for me, I always wonder, like, Milo might eventually start to notice that maybe I eat differently than my husband sometimes because, like, I'm on this kick right now and I don't think I will ever leave because my digestion is unbelievable. Because I have totally changed, like, my water intake, the amount of vegetables I eat, like, fruit. And this is not to say that what I'm doing is going to work for everyone, but my body, like I have been trying to figure out how I can make my digestion better because that was my biggest issue. Has nothing to do with weight loss. And just as an added bonus, now I have tons of energy, which has been like phenomenal. But if, you know, like I started drinking athletic greens and maybe Milo's like, why is mommy drinking green juice? Or like, why is daddy having, you know, a breakfast sandwich from Tim Hortons and mommy packed fruit and vegetables instead to have on the car ride because I'm trying to avoid gluten? Like, how do you bring up that kind of thing with your child and make sure that it's about like, this is what my body wants. Like mommy feels good when she eats this way and not making it about like gluten is bad. And you know, great question and important question. Absolutely. Sometimes kids won't even notice they don't ask. So we wait for them to ask. And if they do, there's a couple of things. One is we're going to be a shining example of how we don't put the way someone else eats down. So you wouldn't say, I'm choosing fruit because fruit is better for you than the breakfast sandwich, right? So we're not going to put anything down. We're going to focus in on us. So I personally have celiac disease and type 1 diabetes. And so I have to 
avoid certain things too and eat in a certain way too. And so I'm totally familiar with what you're talking about. So one of the phrases that I use is, I'm going to eat this because every body is a little bit different in the way that it reacts to food. And if I eat the pasta that you're eating, I would feel very sick. So I need to eat this pasta. We could all eat this pasta or I can eat mine and you can eat that one. That's fine. But I need to eat based on the way that that my body functions best. And the neat thing is that your body functions best with certain foods as well. Like if you're talking to your son, right? But when we're together, even if we have to eat slightly different foods for mommy's body to function well, we can have a great time chatting and being together while we eat. And so you also are delivering the message of like mealtimes are about more than just the food. They're also about that social opportunity. And that's a feel good moment for him because you're like, he's like, oh, she wants to eat with me. She wants to hang out with me. Right. And so you're bringing that positive spin as well. You can also say there may be foods over time that don't make your body feel great. Feel free to let me know if that's the case and we'll work through it. And, you know, young kids kind of sometimes might even create a situation. They might, you know, he might take a bite of something and be like, this doesn't make my body feel great. Just go with it. Thanks for letting (laughs) me know. We could try it in a different way sometime or we can try something else. If you find that broccoli doesn't make your body feel good, maybe cauliflower does, (laughs) right? So they may use it as an excuse for a bit, but you just kind of go with it and, and you can see that they're trying to make sense of the world around them. My son is dairy-free. I have one son who's dairy-free. The other two, they'd live on cheese probably. They absolutely love dairy. And so we do talk about when we're, you know, out at a birthday party, I'm sorry that you're not able to have that. We know that it affects your breathing and it doesn't make your body feel great. But I did bring this for you because I know that this will service your body well. I'm sorry that you're eating different from the other children, but you can still have a lot of fun with them. And again, so much of our culture is about food and we can use these moments to remind our kids that, yeah, food is great. Food is fun, but it's not everything right? There's, there's the social, there's the games, there's other things that we can do at a birthday party, or there's conversations you can have at a meal where, yep, we've talked about the food and we're going to move on to something else. Yeah. I love that. What do you think just in your experience working with parents that they struggle with the most when it comes to feeding their children? I think one of the biggest pieces is just the immediate worry. So like if a child doesn't eat something, there's an immediate worry of they're not going to get the nutrition they need. They're not going to grow. They're not going to sleep. They're not going to this. They're not going to that. It's just that short-term panic. And so I get that. I've been there. I understand. And I say this next part with full understanding that in that moment, there's such a sad concern, right? Because we want the best for our children. But if we can have more of a long-term view of things, then it takes the pressure off, remembering that it's our job to expose them. It's our job to show them. It's like when we put our kids to bed. If your child is like 10 o'clock at night, they're like, I don't want to sleep. I want to watch a movie on an iPad. You're not going to hand them the iPad and be like, sure, go go ahead. Like, watch it as long as you want. Instead, you're going to be like, there's not an iPad available right now. I can't make you go to sleep, but I can set you up for success. So we have our bedtime routines, right? And we're, we're tucking them in and, you know, you had a bad dream. What are we, like, that's why they're up at 10. They're at a bad dream. So we're going to go ahead and we're going to comfort them for that. We're going to be there with them, but you cannot physically close their eyes and make them go to sleep. But if we consistently set them up for success 
of eventually learning how to fall asleep, they get there. And it's the same with food. We continue to expose them and set them up for success and have that long-term view, they will get there. And so I think one of the biggest thing I hear from moms is just, I'm so worried that I end up short order cooking. And when we short order cook, it's the same as handing over the iPad with the movie on it at 10 p.m. It's basically saying, you don't need to learn how to eat the food that I'm serving because I'm always going to just make whatever it is that you like most. I like how you said the long term because that's one thing that I think about all the time. It's like you get so stressed out about a singular meal and it's like, oh my God, if you actually look at the big picture, does that single meal really matter? No, it does not. Like I try and think about our son's nutrition over time. Like, oh, like how has our eating been? Like what kinds of things has he been exposed to? Has he eaten? Has he tried like in the last few weeks or like in the last month? Instead of being like panic mode because our one meal didn't go well. Exactly. And with the exception of iron omega-3 and vitamin D, kids can meet their nutrient needs pretty easily. So those three nutrients are the ones we tend to look at if we have a really selective eater in terms of maybe needing supplements. But aside from that, you'd be amazed at how quickly kids can meet their nutrient needs on eating much less than what we think they need to eat. Hmm. Do your kids take vitamins or like supplements? They do. Like a multivitamin? Yeah, we have a regular multivite that I give to them usually like every other day because my kids are fairly large eaters, so I don't feel like I need to top them up every day necessarily. But if they go through seasons where they're a little less hungry, then I might bump it up. My children also take an iron supplement, one more than the other two, because he has had low iron. My twins were preemies, and one of them has had low iron all along. It's very individualized. It's not like everyone needs this, right? But they all take the same amount of vitamin D and omega-3, because that across the board is something that kids just typically don't get enough of. And we know that omega-3 makes a huge difference in a child's brain development early on and like setting the stage for what development can even happen later in life. And then after that sort of phase, and we move into the grade school years, we know that it makes a significant difference in their ability to learn and also in terms of mental health and attention and focus. So I work a lot with children who have either diagnosed ADHD or tendencies towards that without a diagnosis. And we find that both iron and omega-3 supplementation makes a massive difference in their ability to concentrate day to day. Like fish oil? Exactly. Or algae. Yeah. Yeah. So my naturopath gave me fish oil, but suggested it for Milo as well. And I would just take it straight and it took some getting used to. I think it's more of like a mental thing. I was like, oh my God, oh my God, what am I drinking? (laughs) But now it's fine. But for Milo, I would just like splash a little bit in his little cup of apple juice and he wouldn't even know. And I totally forgot about that. And now I need to start doing that again. Yeah, it's really, really good for his brain development. Even if he is willing to eat some fatty fish here and there, it's still good to have that consistent source. I tend to serve salmon about once every 10 days. And on the day that I know I'm serving salmon, I just don't give the omega-3 supplement that day, knowing the salmon will do the trick save the money of the supplement for that day. And then the rest of the days of the month, give it. So, and it's the same with like probiotics, right? If you have kefir and yogurt in the house and you're, you know, your son's eating it on a regular basis and you have maybe some Wheelow bars, like there's different probiotic options, then by all means, 
great. If they're going through a phase where they're not really eating a lot of foods that would have prebiotics or probiotics, then go ahead and maybe offer them a probiotic. So some can kind of ebb and flow. Some you want to give more consistently. Of course, vitamin D, especially in the winter, we want to give consistently as well in the form of drops or a spray. How do you serve kefir? Because I've tried to eat that before and it is... I know. On its own, it's like... (laughs) Mm, Yeah. So you could put it into a smoothie. That's certainly an option. Another thing, though, is there may be a few brands out there other than these, but the two I know that we typically buy in our home are the President's Choice or Liberty, or Liberté, I guess it is. Kefir have some flavored ones. And immediately you might think, oh, it has added sugar. And immediately I will say, Yes, and a lot of nutrition in there. So what we have to remember is we have to look at food as the whole, right? So like I serve flavored yogurt in our home and yes, it has added sugar in there, but it also has calcium and protein and so many amazing nutrients. So it's okay. Like we're meant to eat food we can enjoy. So don't feel like you have to take back plain yogurt or plain kefir if you don't enjoy the taste of it. Go ahead and have the flavored. Know that's part of your sugar intake for the day and move on. Like food is meant to be enjoyed. It's the same with peanut butter. I'm often asked, should I have natural peanut butter? If you enjoy it, natural peanut butter is a great option. We happen to really enjoy it with some hemp hearts on there. Yum. Other people may say, you know what? I really prefer to have like Jif or Kraft or something like that. And I'm like, go for it. It's fine. We need to stop dissecting food so intensely and be just a little more kind of like open-minded around the full picture. There's great nutrition in these foods. We don't need to get caught up on that little bit of sugar or salt in there. I love that. Okay. My last question, what kind of multivitamin is it? Because I know your kids are older. So are they like swallowing vitamins or is it like a chewable? It's a chewable. So I love Kidstar Nutrients. I don't know if you've heard of them. It's a fellow mom, just like us. Her name is Caitlin out of Vancouver. She's lovely. And she started it. She started the company to focus in on iron for iron deficiency because most iron supplements cause a lot of GI distress and they taste awful. They leave a metallic taste in the mouth. And she was like, there is a hole in the market here. I'm going to fill it. She did. And her iron is unreal. I recommend it to pregnant moms I work with and for kids. They have a liquid, they have a chewable, and they have a tasteless drop. And then from there, they started into multivite, and then from there into omega-3 and vitamin D, and now they have an immune line as well. And their products are incredible. They're really, really, really high quality, and they taste great. The multivite is an astronaut. So prior to that, we had done a different multivite that my kids really liked, and I knew I wanted to introduce introduce this multivite. I liked the profile of it a little bit better. And so what I did, and so if anyone's going to change over to these, what you can do is make pancakes. And I pretended the pancakes were planets and I put the astronaut onto the planet. And I was like, look, we have a new astronaut in town. Oh my God, that's the best. (laughs) And the kids had so much fun with it. And so the next day they're like, can we have an astronaut? And so as much as now I'm serving them every other day, at first I served them every day just to give consistency and continuing exposure and that kind of thing. And then we kind of moved into the every other once I knew the kids were were adapt to them. They like they did like them right away. They were just different than what they were used to. So I wanted to make sure I created that fun experience. In terms of omega-3, we have the Kidstar Omega-3 in our house. Uh, I really, really like it. It's a little like 
chewable capsule, kind of like the, you know, the vitamin E ones that like every grandma has. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. We're like that. But we also have the Aqua Omega liquid in our home. It's a really high quality omega-3 supplement. And so I dive into the autonomy piece when it comes to omega-3. And I, every single time I serve it, I ask them, would you like the liquid or the capsule today? And they go back and forth and they can choose. And so it's, you know, it's not, do you want your omega-3? It's like, omega-3 is coming at you, but which would you like? And, but adding it into the juice, like you said, or a smoothie or yogurt or anything like that, that's totally great too. I love that. Okay. So helpful. I'm going to look up those vitamins for sure. So where can people find you online and what resources do you have available for parents? So I can be found on Instagram at motherhood and meals. And I also can be found in two other places. I have a clinic called Nourished Beginnings with another dietitian. And so on Instagram, we're Nourished Beginnings Pregnancy and Nourished Beginnings Kids. So we cover throughout my three Instagrams, I kind of cover uh, that whole area of women and children. And I have some resources in the link in my profile for motherhood and meals. So I have a free picky eater guide. I have a free guide to help with meal planning. I have a lunch box planning tool, which I know you're headed into in the fall. Um, oh my gosh, yes. And then I also have a boot camp. It's called Kitchen CEO. And it came from this idea of kind of like division of responsibility, right? Like we have this responsibility in the home. And let's be honest, like we are not just managers, we are CEOs as mom. Like we have so much on our plate that we need to organize and manage. And so if we become a CEO in our kitchen, doing some of the tools that I shared with you today, and then I have other tools in there. So as part of this boot camp, I share my, my best systems and tips and strategies. And so each day there's a short video in there and then a little PDF download to kind of go along with it. There's several weeks of meal plans. It's basically everything that I would typically talk to a mom about in a one-on-one meeting, but presented in a way that they can do it on their own time. So those are some of the main resources that, uh, that I've created that, that are available. I love that. Okay, well, I'm going to put the links to all that stuff in the episode notes so people can find it quickly. And this was like a jam-packed, valuable episode. So thank you so much for coming on. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Are you looking for a podcast that'll make you laugh? You came to the wrong place. That's not us. That's not us. Well, it is. We are a husband and wife who chat about raw, real relationship topics. Yeah, like sex. Like money. Like marriage and kids. But we're not afraid to talk about how your newborn baby probably isn't as cute as you think it is. If you're in need of entertainment while you're driving to work, because that sucks, we can join you in the suckage, kind of like being in your ear. Not physically. So if you want to laugh, come check us out. Come check us out. Brought to you by the Laughing Couple Podcast. (laughs) Ha, ha, ha.